That was my <laughs> doorbell. Put that on the hashy cast. <laughs> Taylor, stop doing that. Welcome to HashiCast, the self-proclaimed number one podcast about the world of DevOps practices, tools, and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of HashiCast. I'm your host, Kareem Satili, and with me today are Tracy P. Holmes and Taylor Dolezal. Tracy, you've been on this podcast before, but for the folks that miss out on your previous episode with Tamika Reed, I'd like you to introduce yourself again. So I'm Tracy, and because of the two people that are on this particular podcast today know that we're apologizing in advance. I have not been properly introduced because my coworker works too dadgum much. Anyway, I'm Tracy Holmes. I'm a DA here at HashiCorp. Um, you may have heard me on Tamika's podcast. Um, and if that was the, I think that was the most recent one. So nice to meet you all again. I'm known for my TLDR uh, commentary through, through all my live streams. And if you haven't listened to it, the Tamika Reed podcast, really, really good. It talks about a lot of the issues that many of us will face sooner or later. But without spoilers, just check it out. And in the meantime, Taylor. Welcome to your first Hashi cat. Howdy, howdy. I'm very happy to be here. Um, and uh, just really, really happy to talk dev advocacy, really. Uh, so for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Taylor Dolezal. Uh, previously was working in a big entertainment company in uh, Hollywood. And uh, you might know me from around the Kubernetes uh, open source community. Uh, big fan, lots of fun, great people. And at HashiCorp, I'm mostly focused on infrastructure workloads. So, you know, Terraform, Vault, Console, ways that we can mix those those together, Nomad, uh, and then application delivery as well. So Waypoint and, and other things on that front. So that's not fair. He got to say all of his tools. All right, yo. So going back to what <laughs> I was saying, um, I typically work with Terraform. I usually don't say that in public. Do not hold that against me. But also... Um, you might see me in the future around Packer and Boundary. So if you all have any suggestions or things you want to hear about, please tweet me because I, I want to give both of those tools some love. One's an oldie, one's a goodie, and both need some more love. Okay, now I'm through. I'm actually moving soon, Tracy. So if there is support for Packers and Movers, uh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Spray bottle, dude. That is not on the podcast. Come on. <laughs> You know, moving houses would be so much more fun if we had Terraform, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And then you could just, uh, you know, makes cleaning easier, Terraform destroy. I mean, come on, let's be great. So the two of you have been with the developer advocacy team for a bit more than half a year now. And I'd love to talk about those first few months in today's episode a little more. It's a bit of a follow-up to what you talked about with uh, Tamika, Tracy. But I'm curious, what inspired you to make the jump into developer relations in the first place. So this is a weird one for me. Um, and no, we won't talk about engineering. I think I've said it in both of my podcasts. I will not talk about engineering. However, I did start in engineering at HashiCorp. Um, and I, I'm also a former teacher. Um, and so I just, in general, like to see the light bulb come on. I had my very first speaking engagement 
and then got my very second speaking engagement all in the same year and around the same time. And so I did a, a, an internal talk at HashiCorp and then I did an external talk for HashiConf and realized that I really, really liked it um, and that I wanted to start speaking more. And so I, de I decided to try to make a move to the DevRel side because I'm an open source person. I like advocacy. I like light bulbs and that kind of, we're kind of different in that we get to do a lot of technical stuff on our team. And so it kind of works well with my brain. So that's why I moved. I think that light bulb moment you're talking about is really important. When you share something and it finally clicks and somebody else is able to take that knowledge and build something on top of it, it it's just super rewarding. Taylor, same question for you. What brought you from Hollywood to developer relations? I've done a lot of thinking about this lately and, and talking about this lately. And uh, while I fully admit that there's a lot of things wrong with me, one, I like to vacuum, uh, two, public speaking. Uh, so at least a couple of crossed wires up there. Um, it, it, developer advocacy is something that it's looking back. It, it's like, of course, I, I would be in this. It's something that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I started off my career as a, a software engineer and, and, and developer. Uh, it's something I've always liked computers from a very young age, and um, it was making you know programs for TI eighty three plus calculators back in in high school and middle school and games and uh, it was always just so much fun. Absolutely loved that, uh, and so I was like, okay, I want to be a developer. Uh, started up my own business many years later uh, during uh, the years that I was in college, and then uh, got that question from one of my clients. This is great. Where do we deploy this? How do I run this? And started up a bunch of series of thoughts that, you know, I'd never thought about that before. Uh, so kind of went into systems administration and engineering. And then uh, finally, uh, working at the, you know, N minus one company that I was, that I was just at, uh, really enjoyed working with different teams and talking to product owners and, and just kind of those, those engineers got to lead an, an SRE team and really liked, you know, presenting on those findings, talking with people and, and just having those genuine connections and interactions. I love writing code, but being able to kind of talk at a higher level through that with people is just really fulfilling to me. And so I uh, was really happy to have the opportunity to, you know, once, once I finally arrived at that revelation, it was just kind of a light bulb moment. I was like, oh my gosh, if this makes so much sense. This is something I really love. I'm really passionate about. And uh, was was really an easy thing for me to be like, of course, this is the direction I want my career to go in. And, and it's just been such a fun ride thus far. I've had so many great conversations. I love the team that I'm working with. Um, I've never written as much code in my life um, because you're, <laughs> you're, you're constantly giving demos. You're, you're constantly you know, talking to people, being asked for examples on things. And, and you do want to help out on that front. But oh my goodness, there's a lot of code. So if you do want to get into DevRel, Dev Advocacy, uh, be prepared to wear out your keyboard. Also, I don't know if people realize it, but Taylor and I literally started one week apart. Um, I'm the baby on the team as far as term on team is concerned, <laughs> but I'm the oldest on the team as far as HashiCorp is concerned. I like to flex those muscles every once in a while. Taylor and I got thrown to the HashiCorp Live Wolves our very first and second weeks on the team with no preparation. And I think that was pretty much like, you have to be ready for that. If, you're, if you want to come into this kind of thing, 
be ready for someone to go so hey um yeah i saw that talk you did about three years ago on this and you seem like you were really comfortable for it and i've got something in 36 hours would you want to do that so be be prepared to learn that no was a sentence um in developer advocacy because if you don't you will find yourself overwhelmed and very quickly there's there's no shortage of things to do and it's so true it's so true oh my goodness it's uh no is a is do don't forget the word no not k-n-o-w n-o exclamation point <laughs> definitely a true point that in dev advocacy and developer relations in general always a video that can be recorded a demo that can be polished or demo that can be built especially use case you want to highlight the core is making genuine connections and, and inspiring people. I think that's what brings us together as a team. And developer relations is, is such a young area. There's a lot of great area in terms of meaning. I'm curious, what do you feel DevRel is not? It's not this nice, cozy place that people think it is. Based on what you just said, DevRel is literally an in real life Reddit. And I'm someone that absolutely adores Reddit. Reddit is a television. I'm going to beat myself on this one. Change the channel if you don't like something. And Taylor and I talk about this a lot. We'll kind of throw something to each other at like 3 a.m. And it's like, did you see this? It was like, yeah, I learned so much from that one. Let's give it to Kareem. And Kareem's like, oh, I saw that. Did, did you know you could do that? Did you see what they linked in that? I have a podcast coming out, a hashtag coming out in a few weeks where we actually talk about like how we felt about the difference between DevRel and Dev Advocacy and is there a difference? And that was, I want to say, pro probably my favorite part of that conversation. DevRel is not cushy. It can be, but DevRel is also not equivalent across the board where our particular team gets to be extremely technical. We're not evangelists. We don't shield products. Our practitioners straight up inform the thing that things that we do. And so if, and I'm saying this because I've never actually used the tool, so please don't hold it against me. But if like something happens tomorrow and Jenkins falls out of favor and our practitioners stop using it, we're not going to talk about it. We have no reason to push something on the open source community that's not being used specifically with our tools. We're not sales adjacent like some companies are, but we also have a lot of freedom to be very technical. Taylor wasn't lying. We do a lot of code. Uh, I got more green squares than I did. <laughs> well, I probably don't because all my stuff is private. But um, yeah, I've got tons more green squares privately <laughs> than I did on another team. So there's that. But I have strong feels on, on what DevRel is and, and is not. And what we are not is cushy. What we are is Reddit. And we're very informed on what we believe. A huge, huge plus one to Tracy on that front. Uh, I uh, when, it, when it comes to education, I, I actually ended up dropping out of college. Uh, but uh, <laughs> abs absolutely agree with that. And it really being being in uh, having this role in this industry, it's very much a um, you, you get to see the the tip of the iceberg. You get to see the onstage presence, right? And so there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of prep that goes into presentations and demos. And there's a lot to figure out because of that. And that's not as easily apparent. You know, you don't really realize it until you get into that type of role. Um, it is fun uh, to give talks. It is fun to make these demos. It's so much fun to have these conversations. Uh, but again, there's 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 a lot of work that's done uh, that isn't seen, and that's figuring out how the process goes, 
uh, <laughs> and really just kind of getting a sense for the different types of workflows that people go through or the right teams to talk to uh, or how to drive ch change with certain features or things that the community you know really needs. You, you have to feel out how to sell that back to the product team um, and just kind of figure out how to communicate really well. So it's uh, it's I, I think that's that's one of the things that DevRel is to answer what it's not. Um, is this, you know, like, like Tracy said, very cushy thing. And it's, um, another dev role that's kind of like it might, it might've likened it to like a, a rock star type position or like, kind of like this fame thing. And that's not, you know, absolutely disagree with that because I think that uh, we should, you know, kind of push into that space. And, uh, so that's one thing I feel dev role is not, is this like celebrity thing. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of code. It's a lot of it's a lot of presentations. How do you feel about being close to the practitioner? So I, th I think that it's really fun to, to work. So, so when you work at a company, I, I kind of likened it when I started the job at HashiCorp, I said, I've really liked getting to work at the, in, in the companies that I've, I've had a chance to work in. And, but it's kind of like being in a city and you get to work at this great restaurant and learn the recipes and learn the process. But as a developer advocate, you get to go to every single restaurant and find out how they do these things. It's like undercover boss, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, getting a sense of, you know, how people do what you were doing in a different company, I think is just really cool and, and getting to pick up that from different practitioners. Um, it's, it's, it's so much fun and, it, and it's fun to talk about like, oh my goodness, you know, like this, you were using a, a, a spoon as a knife. No, 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 don't do that. Here's, I, I, I'm going to help you. There's an, there's an easy way to go about doing this and being able to kind of have those conversations too, and really, you know, help people save time or find out so, about something that they can use to their advantage, I think is great. Um, there's, there's just so much to keep up on in, in our, in the technical space. And it's very difficult to you know, always identify what you can do to improve things. What do you think, Tracy? Thinking about combos that we've had in the past where we're just like, hey, did what about what? That's what being close to the practitioner does. It, I'm probably the one that talks the least with the practitioners, funnily enough, because I'm usually embroiled in internal uh, company stuff. And so I deal with those practitioners, but also... And I don't, I honestly don't think it's limited to our company. I think this is one of those things that people that build things don't always use the things that they build. And if you're somewhere that doesn't have an advocacy team, you absolutely have no reason. The only reason you might do it is because you are the advocacy team for your product. And so then you're informed by the practitioners. You're going, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's doing that. But when you get to a certain size, you're far removed from that. And so if you're building it, and they're coming, you don't really need to go out and find out why somebody's throwing a curveball when they should have thrown a softball. You know, like you just find out that they missed it and you fix it. You, didn't, you don't actually go back and find out why. You don't go out there and start practicing your pitches. You just, you just fix it. Um, and so th that's where I feel that I'm getting better at. But when I first started, I was the, oh, Tracy's, Tracy's been on the engineering team, so we can get that knowledge. And I'm going, yeah, and you've all actually used Terraform outside of this company, so I'm going to get that knowledge. Uh, it's a little bit more balanced now, but that's also something that I think people should think about is becoming the practitioner for the things that they build. Um, because I, you get a, a better understanding of all the pain, the grief, the sorrow, and the blood 
<laughs> that comes with not being able to actually terraform destroy everything you thought you terraformed destroyed. <laughs> I, I agree and and even even finding out you know what is useful i think is a big thing too and getting to work as a practitioner you know hey i can turn on this hue light bulb is not <laughs> is not typically something that helps with a production pipeline very cool use case but uh you know it's it's not always useful and so kind of getting that feedback loop is is also something that's just really it, it, really interesting to learn, you know, find out where the focus is at beyond the buzzwords. Uh, we all have hue set light ups like that practitioner feedback actually helped us more than it probably helped any other person. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's true. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's just like as, as my lights turn to red right now. Um, no, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. I think to, to be fair, I have seen a lot of applications of people that use uh, their hue light bulbs or they have the one that will report on their build status uh, or if they need approves confirmation on their Terraform cloud uh, workflows. I've, I have seen that and it is useful. There is a use case for everything because one day you're going <laughs> to want to turn that light on and also order dominoes and post the Twitter that you went live. And dadgummit, you can do all three of those things at the same damn time <laughs> using Terraform. I was going to say, there's always a reason to order a pizza. And it's beautiful if you can do it from the comfort <laughs> of HCL. So equating conversations to relationships a little bit, because you two have been talking with a practitioner, um, how the process is. What do you think is next for the field? And especially where are we going in terms of sharing knowledge and creating those light bulb moments? It's it's that's something I, I, I do try to think about quite a bit. You know, I, I think that because it's the beginning of the year and, you know, most teams are kind of doing their yearly planning and kind of looking at the, the schedules and slates ahead of them, um, getting a sense for the types of people that you want to reach, I think, is really that that intent is, is the next thing that is going to be a huge focus. I think listening to practitioners goes a long way, but there's such a there, there it's very important to get that execution right right in terms of what you actually are able to output you can listen to somebody all day but if you don't do anything about it it's not that useful and so i think that really kind of being transparent in those efforts is going to be something that is is really big and that is next for us as well as you know kind of where we choose to put our time and and our contributions do we want to you know kind of bolster uh, our offerings, do we want to get involved with some open source projects outside of our, our immediate space? Um, and then really just being able to kind of create tools for other DevRel and Dev Advocate teams, I think is going to be something that's uh, that's worth focusing on too. It's very difficult to keep up to date on, you know, what events are where and what the focus is. I'd, I'd, I'm very, I'd love to help. And I really just am thinking on creating tools in that space because that would just be helpful to a lot of people. And um, I've seen some communities pop up as, as, as well around uh, dev, dev advocacy and people talking through, you know, how do you deal with these difficult issues and respond to members in the community that might be a little bit more prickly uh, than others, or, you know, it, it, you have a really nice interaction, but you didn't get a lot of information. How do you, you know, kind of how to, what's, what actually makes a good interaction and, and helps out both parties is, are some of the things I'm thinking about um, on that front and would love to see that move forward in those directions. To add to that, because I'll be the first one to say, I don't really lie about the things that I do or don't know. Um, is that I, I focus more on beginner content. Kareem usually dabbles somewhere in between, but likes finding outlier stuff so he can Frankenstein stuff together. And then Taylor does like 
more higher level stuff. And they do that because they do have that practitioner knowledge. And for me, I'm still finding out stuff. And I'm trying to reach all of those people that have been working for the government or working for a company for 10 or 20 years being said, if you want your job, you're going to learn Terraform. You're going to learn Terraform by next week. Like those are the people I handle or I try to focus on. I'm very much an underdog kind of person. Um, and also where I'm at, I used to work for the government. So I kind of know how that feels. <laughs> so those are the things I try to focus more on beginner content or beginner talk. So the people that I'm famous for this on all live streams, I'm going to say it here. Documentation counts. Now you can take that off of your bingo card. Um, but I'm also good on like, I like those open source one-on-one kinds of talks because I've been in tech for a very long time. Engineering is absolutely still new to me. So I like to share those learning experiences. And the the one thing I think I had imposter syndrome about on that was apparently, especially when the pandemic hit, everybody all of a sudden had introductory experiences to things. So now I have to worry about how to rewrite it so it doesn't sound like I'm I'm using someone else's content about something else. So to use Jenkins as an example again, Tamika uses stuff. Tamika uses Jenkins. If I know I'm going to collaborate with Tamika, and Tamika's a huge HashiCorp person, like, because it works. Like, I will say that Tamika's also not a shill. She doesn't do it for the fame. She does it because it helps her get her, it helps her get to get her things done efficiently. If she uses Jenkins, I'm going to have to learn it. Um, and if I'm in Women in Linux and we're learning something and it works, we're going to share it. And so if they share it, somebody else is going to say, oh, this is working for me. Let me show you what we did. And then all of a sudden, we're informed by the practitioners. I just learned something new that I did all, never had a use case for. And now we're promoting that out in the community. So I, I'm network driven on that side. I'm not a big Twitter person, but I'm like in Slack communities. I'm network driven for the things that I feel like I learn. So that's how I approach the next new thing, I think I want to say. Transparency and, and being real in this role, I think is so, so important. So in that sense, saying, I don't know, is actually way more powerful than just making it up. It's it kind of going back to, to that one question you'd asked, you know, what DevRel isn't and just kind of those interactions. I, I think that um, one thing that they don't tell you or, or one thing that, that uh, you know, dealing with, with COVID was a big part of is that now that everyone's home, uh, funny enough, you know, Tracy and I, as as we ventured into uh, <laughs> into our roles at the same time, one thing that we found out was, wow, it's really hard to get a green screen and everything else because everyone's trying to stream right now. And so I think that was really, uh, that was <laughs> it's been a source of joy is talking about like, okay, this doesn't work. All right, there, this is in stock. All right, go over here the ingenuity of how to do this or, you know, like, oh, I stood up my webcam with, you know, I, I built this with two by fours, you know, just kind of figuring out ways because the multi-mount's out of stock. Uh, is <laughs> It's all of that's really fun. And that's been a lot of fun for me. What he's not telling you is he he made me his personal bot at one point where it was just like, <laughs> all right, Taylor, I need a green screen. Taylor, and I both need a key light. Can't find a key light. Can we can't find a key light air. Can't find a key light air. Adorama lied. Adorama lied. We need to move back. Move back. Cancel it. Cancel it. All right. You need a mic. Did you get a mic? I didn't get a mic. What did you use for your street? Oh, we both got stream decks. Cool. Let's set that up this week. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, like those are our conversation. <laughs> and that was like the first two months. One morning, I literally, and I am not joking, screamed and jumped on like mid morning and went, Taylor, they have key lights. <laughs> and he ordered it like mid morning at like 3 a.m. It was great. <laughs> the sides of technology that don't normally get talked about, right? So on the topic of learning, um, what's something you learned in this role 
that you wish you knew a year or two ago? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say really. So I've always I've always loved public speaking. I've always liked presenting, being able to hone that presentation skill a lot more has been really helpful and finding out what's useful to put in a readme as funny as that sounds is something that has been you know big skill that i've really enjoyed learning um being able to it, it, things i never thought about before when it comes to presentation you know less is more i absolutely agree uh, make that make that type a lot a lot larger you know things like that have been really useful as well as uh you know just kind of finding effective ways to communicate with others. Um, I, I feel like that's, you're never really done with that. That's, that is a lifelong journey. All those interactions I've been able to have have really uh, been beneficial over the past year. Things that I wish I knew that I didn't know I needed to know only because I didn't, I wasn't in this space. Let me put it that way. OBS can be your friend. OBS can hate your guts. If you don't know anything about else about the world, know that. That's the best haiku I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I didn't grow up being a person that made friends with their coworkers. Let me put it that way. Um, and so I'm usually, I came into the team and automatically announced, I am jaded. Do not take it personal. I think I said that around the second, third, second or third week. Um, and then Jackie and I ended up on four Friday sessions in a row until midnight playing WoW. And I had never played WoW a day in my life. And I was like, oh God, is this what my life has come to? And it's great. Um, so hanging out with your, your coworkers can actually be a good experience. And the majority of my coworkers, my team knows the difference between being a friend and being a coworker when we're at work. We are absolutely, and I can say this, and not all of the teams that I've worked on just in general in my life, and I've been working for a long time, they don't know this particular team is not a this is your family kind of team. We act like family, but that's not implicit. Boss Lady is very good about we're at work. You know, I'll, I'll fight down a demon for you. But also, if Kareem is getting on my nerves, I can say, Kareem, you're getting on my nerves. And he doesn't take it personally. If I say something more curt than they're used to, Jono or Taylor can ping me and go, hey, everything okay? Because something's not right. You know, that came off a little, you all right? I need to go fight somebody? Like, so what this team brought me, and I can honestly say my old team, like on the providers team, I always call us the outcast. I end up on outcast teams when I, when I jump into jobs and we're, we're another set of outcasts. Uh, <laughs> we're under marketing. We're nothing like marketing. Um, it's nothing bad. We're just not, we're, we're an insulated part of a group and we just happen to be under that particular group. Um, but so what I did learn was you can have friends at your job, like true friends. I have people now that if something happens and they know it'll affect me, they will jump in and save the day without me having to say a word. And I have people personally in my, like in my life that don't do that. So that's what I did learn. That's very much it. Honest and unfiltered feedback that allows me to improve, I think. Because when one of us grows, I think as a team we grow. And I, I think that to me is beautiful. I think being... being being able to share that is so important. Uh, working at a few companies where 
really, you know, it, it, wherever you set your focus as a company or as a team is what really influences you. If you're focused on uh, supporting legacy hardware or software, things like that, then you can, you can, you can really, you can get the job done, but I, I feel like there are ways in which you can really hurt yourself. You're not learning new tools. You're not kind of keeping up to date on certain things. And that can, you know, positively or negatively impact your career in a very big way. And focus at, at in, you know, one of my previous roles, there's a big focus on legal and, you know, compliance. And that wasn't a bad thing, but that really, like, it affected me on a personal level. I uh, thought about what I was going to say before I said it, which again, isn't bad, but then you don't have those real interactions. It sounds very scripted. It sounds very, you know, there, there's not a lot of me left when I've abided by all these guidelines and rules. Being able to focus here and be transparent and have real conversations is something that just me personally absolutely needed. Uh, and I, I, I really like that. I like the I get to laugh more. <laughs> I get to be more critical. I get to think through really interesting problems. And that's just, I, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I like the, the culture that that creates when you focus on being transparent and sharing those things uh, with both practitioners internally, uh, with your coworkers, with everybody. I, I really, I'm, I'm a huge fan. If, if you want to know why I said, yes, we're under marketing, but we're an outlier, what Taylor just said is the reason why I, just, I said that earlier. We don't, we have a HashiCorp voice. I mean, any company is going to have a voice that they want to promote out to the, so we're consistent to a point, but our personalities inform everything that we do. And if that wasn't the case, I probably wouldn't still be on this team. Like my voice is very important to me. My experiences, being able to inform other people, I'm pretty open <laughs> and I don't, I can be political, but I don't, if I don't have a reason to not say something I'm going to say it, but also I don't talk unless I have something to say. And our team is very open in that way, but also marketing lets us have our freedom that way. And I think that's why we all kind of get along in, with that respect and with that, the, the greater part of marketing. Our marketing, we have a marketing kickoff. And it's basically, this is how we start the year. This is what happened last year. We're going into the new fiscal year. Here's what you got to do and blah, 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 blah. And then I looked around and I went, oh, I know the majority of these people. Holy crap. And I get along with them. This is, I like it. The getting along with people is great. No one hates my guts on this team. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so it really does make a difference. I'll say stuff affectionately, but there's usually 75% truth <laughs> in my joking. <laughs> It's, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think being able to convey a message in a way that resonates with your audience is terribly important. And in developer relations, you talk to lots of folks, internal, external to the company. And interactions with passionate people, they give you a good feeling. And I think we all need a little bit of positivity every now and then. So what's the last interaction that really, really touched you? That is a great question. It, it, it took me a second because I, I really did have to think. It's difficult to pull just one interaction out that really, really shines through. But I'd say, honestly, it, I, was on, uh, uh, I was on a social media platform, uh, one of the fun, new, trendier ones. Uh, they use voice. And uh, I got the chance to talk with. Uh, <laughs> it's, you, felt, you, you see through. You see through what I'm trying to say here. Uh, I I got to talk with. Uh, really, just getting to talk with other uh, developer advocates lately has been something I found really uh, just 
mind-bendingly awesome and and just helpful and kind of growing in the role. Uh, I got a chance to kind of hear uh, yesterday, uh, Kelsey Hightower was on uh, and he was talking, he was answering questions from the crowd and talking a lot about different types of, uh, you know, hurdles, struggles, successes uh, that that he had been through, you know, kind of all the way back day one when, when he was still getting involved uh, up until today. And one thing that I, you know, when I got to ask my question, I kind of asked about driving change and how do we, how do we kind of, how do you tell that story? Because, and, and I really liked how he answered it. And he said, you know, back in uh, the early days of my career, you can see where I was like, you know, I want to do something. This is the right thing to do. And to just kind of get lost in that, that passionate response to it. And, you know, like, oh, this is the right thing to do. Come on, everybody just do it. That's, that's, that's great. You've, you've got, you know, step one in place, but you, you still have to talk with people about that. You still have to get them on board to your type of thinking and, and what you see. Maybe everybody, everybody else has difficulty seeing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that he suggested was uh, an, an empathy uh, session and kind of like instead of trying to elaborate the problem, uh, you know, for the specific context, have engineers sit down with you, take an hour and walk through this process that's really difficult to do, for example. And kind of have them run through it and, and then come up with the conclusions on their own. Like, ooh, this is really rough. This is there are a lot of rough edges here. And then it will also inspire people to be like, we can change this. Let's do it. You know, it sometimes it takes walking through the fire to to kind of really have an understanding of what's right and what's wrong. And uh, so that's I think I really liked that answer and and definitely gonna gonna try to use that here moving into the future uh, to kind of help uh, unite people on on a certain vision or uh, or maybe a feature that we should add to something. Tracy, same question for you. What's the last interaction you remember? All right. Oh, Lord, don't ask me what I remember because my brain remembers everything. So I have three work ones, and it's not, it's not to downplay the personal interactions I have at work. I keep a kudos board because I am horrible at tooting my own horn. So if people say certain things, I take them, I cut them, I paste them, and I pop them in the notion. One that was a couple of years back. I'm very short. <laughs> I am I'm five foot three. I am short. So the reason I say that is because someone went, you're five what? And they'd met me in person. And they went, you feel so tall. Your personality is very big. You feel really tall. They were like, I, I had no idea you were that short. Like, seriously. And so that one made me feel good because I'd been feeling very small because of something I didn't know that ultimately wasn't my fault. But I, I've, I grew up knowing things like I get things, not getting something frustrates the heck out of me. And so for them to say that, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> maybe I am 20 feet tall. That's all right. Um, another thing that someone said, and this was boss lady, someone didn't like something we did. And I understand why they didn't like what we did. When someone else from another team found out, they sent a message to our boss that basically complimented us. And she shared it with us. But then, but before she shared it with us, the very first thing she posted in our chat was, you're doing the right thing. Keep doing what you're doing. You are doing nothing wrong. And I will fight to make sure that people know that. And when you've had some crappy bosses Hearing that someone will be an Amazon and stand in front of you. Oh, the third thing internally that 
made me smile was finding out that one of my teammates made their first contribution to our company because of a talk they heard me give. And I smiled until I could not smile anymore. And then the fourth one was, I came here because I saw you and saw what you were doing. And so I applied because I don't get to see many of me out there. And that one probably topped all of the other ones that I just said. I'm, I'm tall, I'm not short, I'm visible. So people jump because they see me without knowing what's happening at the bottom of that, that, that valley. What kind of water, how deep it is, none of that. They just say she's doing it, she's smiling while she's doing it. I should probably give that a shot. Um, and yeah, knowing that someone will stand in front of a bulldozer. So I call her my personal Amazon now. She knows that. I think people fighting for you and, and taking up a shield and standing in front of you is incredibly powerful, but also empowering because it, it's not a common thing. It should be. It's not. I, th I think in, t in terms of places I've worked as well, kind of on that point, you know, with, with managers that really stand up for you and fight for you and allow you to perform your job, having that understanding of what we do as a role is something that our manager, Melissa, is really fantastic about knowing and identifying. There's never, ever any circumstance where we, any of us have done the right thing, trademark, and, uh, you know, and she hasn't fought for us, um, you know, and, and being able to actually, because that's at the end of the day, that's what people that work in any kind of workflow need are people that listen to them, actually listen to you and, and try to make things better. Um, I think that that's, it's, it's just really refreshing to, to work in a place like that, as well as even when it comes to different projects, you know, like, um, you know, working with both you, you know, Kareem and, and Tracy, I, I think that being able to like, oh, hey, I just gave a talk on X and then, oh, hey, I need that for my talk. You know, being able to share those modules, components, slides, notes, understandings, gotchas. That is also something that goes a really long way too. like I, I, I undoubtedly like objectively makes me so much better because we're able to kind of like trade these Lego pieces around and enhance what we output as well and make it better, hand it back, you know, in a very much open source way, in a modular way, uh, getting to work with both of you in that way, too, and, and, and all of our other coworkers. I think a team that gives you this feeling any day of the week, not just after social events, is the kind of team you want to hold on to. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And it, it's, it's, I think, I think that's it is because it's just not normal. It's not, it really isn't. It, it is something it took me a second to get used to as well. I'm like, okay, where's the fine print? What's going on here? Nobody's this nice. Uh, but Hey, this team is, it's, it's fantastic. I'm laughing because I fought them on this. The very thing that he just mentioned, I fought the hell out of it. Stop giving me your stuff. I can do it by myself. I don't want it for like months. <laughs> Stop trying to help me out. You're not supposed to be this helpful. Where's the left hook? Uh, and, and then I found myself going, oh, where's that keynote folder that Kareem gave us? I might need to get some stuff for that. And it was a very humbling moment. A growing company is going to have those pains. Like you, no matter how much you vet, you're going to have the a-hole. I'm sorry, you are. And some of them are unintentional a-holes. Some of them are just very passionate people that don't, that are not, that don't have the awareness to know. 
and we're getting big. So it's inevitable that we're going to hit those kinds of stumbling blocks. But that also goes to what Kareem was saying that shows how we're still kind of special because our team has gotten big. I remember when the team was only two people before you all started. And like, it's, it's a really big deal. What companies don't do that I, or even some teams don't do that we're doing is we're modifying it on the fly. We're not waiting until there's a big problem or a huge problem because we have problems too. Um, we're not perfect. We're people, but like, a huge problem and then go, oh, crap, we need to fix that. You could have fixed it when we told you it was an issue like two years ago. Like, why didn't you do that? And some teams and some companies just don't do that. So, like, I'll say we don't have that problem yet, and I hope we don't ever have that problem. I hope we continue to just mold and shape and do things as we go because I think that's working for us. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. As we're nearing the end of this episode, I'd like to ask both of you a random question. Tracy, are you a baker? I am. What's your favorite baked good for a little weekend comfort? What I've done is we have an internal Slack channel called Talk Food. And what we had been doing was for the holidays, we ship each other. You get paired up with someone and you ship each other baked goods. We extended it to the Hex, which is our all-employee meeting. Um, and everybody signed up to bring as much as they wanted of one or two things. So what I brought was a pound cake. And it's something that I used to bake for extra money, like gas money, side money. I have clientele where I'm at, everything. And I brought it. And uh, between the hotel staff and the employees, I had none left. The reason I got into it is because I used to, I'm in a rural area. One day, my mom, I grew up working. Like I've been unofficially and unofficially, unofficially working since I was eight. My mom decided to go to, to learn how to make cakes um, and get her uh, license, her food license, and like do catering and stuff. And I used to go to stuff with her. And then one day, and I went, "Can I use your stuff to make a cake? I want to use your mixer." And so I went in, and I would start making cakes. And then I realized I'm actually kind of good at that. And I get to lick the bowl. Like, where's the problem? Uh, <laughs> and so that became my thing to the point where my mom will do wedding cakes and those kinds of cakes. I'm a lot like my grandmother. I'm too much like my grandmother sometimes, but like she's depression area. So I, I cook like she does, uh, like just straight up. I'm a potatoes, meat, whatever we have, you're going to find something to make because we're not wasting food person. But I'm also that pie cobbler uh, cake person where my mom is the fancy side of things. So, yeah, my comfort foods are the pound cake. If I'm just here and I'm thinking about my grandma, I'll grab some cornflakes and some apples. I'll make an apple brown Betty. I'll make a rice pudding. I'll make uh, anything. The the picture you all got where I had, oh, man, I got some half and half left. I can't let that go bad. My grandma will kill me. Made a peach cobbler. Like, <laughs> and then I give it away because, God, COVID pounds are, are a real thing. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, my pound cake. It is in a Bell's Best book. I believe it is on page or it used to be on page 407. Modify it to use cake flour, use all-purpose flour, not self-rising. Um, and yes, it uses two sticks of butter, one stick of margarine. And I use Baker's Joy for my old pan that is probably 50 years old now. That sounds absolutely delicious. And when you know to use AP, you know why you use AP, right? Taylor, how about you? What's your decompression bake? Uh, I have, so, so there's, we, we've got quite a mix in this household. My partner, she's, uh, she was born here, but 
she is uh, second generation uh, uh, from Sweden. Her dad's, you know, right off the plane, not off the boat, from the pl- right off the plane from Sweden. Uh, he's been living here since the late 70s. And uh, and so one of the things that I've learned uh, from my partner is uh, she makes cannabular, which is basically a Swedish cinnamon roll. Um, and oh my goodness, that's one of the best things uh, uh, to, to have a feast on uh, when uh, you're going into your weekend, you're looking for a sugary pick-me-up. Um, uh, me personally, I, so I do some baking. I've got, you know, cookies, chocolate chip cookies, you know, funfetti cake, some, just some boring choices. But when it comes to uh, making actual dishes, I think uh, a big shout out to my one really good friend, Kelsey Kylie, for sharing a uh, turkey cups. It's like a turkey taco cup uh, recipe and it is so good. Uh, great appetizer. And um, and then I typically do a uh, uh, bulgogi meatball uh, uh, dish, which is, oh, my goodness, it's so savory. It's so good. Uh, get some ginger, fresh ginger in there. You know, grate that. Throw that in. Uh, bulgogi sauce, which is like uh, a Korean barbecue. Oh, it is fantastic. Uh, more than happy to share out that recipe with anyone that's curious. It's so good. It's so good. But uh, those are typically what we're going for between uh, some friends and, and other households here. I think we've got like a full spread of food for uh, comfort food during the weekend. So, uh, yeah, never, <laughs> never an empty fridge here. Gotta say, gotta say. Food is just this awesome connector of people and cultures, right? What, what, what's your answer though? Wait, you don't just get to leave without answering the question. What is wrong with you, <laughs> you're Kareem? Gonna turn I think you're going to sneak out of this. What's the answer, man? It's your question. What is your baked thing? So I was born in Austria and Austria is famous for chocolate cakes, specifically Sachertorte. And December 5th every year is International Sachertorte Day, which means there's a chocolate cake. About two inches of cake sliced through the middle, might be one layer, might be two layers. A um, little bit of apricot jam and a dark chocolate uh, covering on the outside. Yeah, that's my uh, decompression bake. Is it healthy? Absolutely not. <laughs> Does it make your weekend good? Yes. Any day until Wednesday. So how are we going to get me moved over there again? Because you know I'm working on this. Just Let's just have a talk. That's all. <laughs> why, why, why do colleges get all the fun? They have the travel abroad programs. Why don't we have the work abroad programs? I feel like that's, they should just, they should work on that. Yeah. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Just like cake after the last slice, this too must come to an end. So I'd like to thank you both for taking time to join me on today's episode and sharing your insights and hopefully recipes with our listeners. You've been listening to HashiCast. I'm your host, Kareem Satili. Today's guests were Tracy P. Holmes and Taylor Dolezal. Be sure to tune in next time. Adios.